Hello, how the tech are you? This is our weekly tech show on Echoplex Media. And I got a new introduction here. So uh, how the tech are you is a weekly tech news podcast that covers the latest developments and trends in the world of technology. Each episode features in-depth discussions with industry experts as well as interviews with tech leaders. No, we don't do that. that that's not true. Uh, let's keep going here. Uh, the podcast is aimed at both tech enthusiasts and those who are new to the world of technology. And I don't know about new to techno- the world of technology. It's mostly people who know a little bit about tech. Tech. We get kind of into depth on some stuff. Uh, but offering a mix of news, analysis, and insights. Whether you're a tech guru or just curious about the latest gadgets and apps, How the Tech Are You has something for everyone. Tune in every week to stay up to date on the latest tech. So if you're wondering why I have this new intro it's that was generated by chat gpt and that is my topic for this show i'll go into more detail and talk about that whole introduction and some other stuff uh guy with the pink mic i am hk perrin and i'm a software engineer so i mostly cover software engineering news and this week my story is a new version of visual studio code with a really cool new feature. So uh, I'm excited for that. And on to Dave. Hi, I'm Dave. I'm the producer of this and all the other shows on Echoplex Media. And this week, I'm just going to talk about a few new toys that I got my hands on. Good. So what is this uh, chat GPT thing? And uh, well, instead of uh, trying to explain it myself, I just asked chat GPT to describe itself. I said, Gave it the, the prompt, basically explain yourself in simple terms. And this is what it came up with. It said, I am a large language model trained by OpenAI. I'm not a human, but a computer program designed to respond to questions and provide information on a wide range of topics. I can understand and generate human language, but I do not have personal experiences or emotions like a human. My knowledge is based on the data that I have been trained on, and my responses are determined by my programming, and the algorithms that I use to process information. I am here to assist and provide information to help you with your questions and inquiries. Uh, any questions about that? So that's what ChatGPT thinks is of itself. It's basically a big uh, chat bot that you can ask questions, and it's been all the rage recently because it is quite advanced. Have either of you uh, played with it at all? A little bit. A little bit. I haven't, but I'm signing up right now. Yeah. Uh, um, I think I forgot to add a link. I need to add a link to the actual website in, in the, the show notes. Uh, you, but really, yeah, like, a, you really surprised me with that intro. Yeah. Like, I was like, what is he doing with this intro? And then you're <laughs> like, it was written by OpenGPT. And I was like, oh, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, well, it's funny because the notes say that it's written by that. I thought you'd read that first. Uh, no, you I would didn't. know about it, not not our uh, other people, but that that kind of goes to some of the the limitations of this. I I basically asked Chat GPT to write an intro for the show, and uh, that's what it came up with. And uh, that was like I think the third try because initially I didn't give it the name of our show, so it just made up a name for our show, which was funny. <laughs> that's what better. Was the sh- what was the name? Uh, it was something I. Uh, I think I said something in the the prompt about like uh 
a tech pod. No, what was it? A, a tech news podcast or something like that. So it started just calling it tech news or something like that. It, it was, it just <laughs> got the name from the prompt. Uh, and then I think it ran it a second time. I didn't change it initially. And then it came up with like a different name, but it was the same kind of idea. <laughs> and finally I'm like, I'm going to put the name in the prompt and then it got it. <laughs> uh, but that's why it does like, uh, I gave it very little information. I just said like, come up with an intro for this podcast. That's a tech podcast called this. And it, it guessed that it was a weekly show and that is correct. <laughs> but it also guessed that we, uh, we interview tech industry experts, which we do not do, <laughs> which is why there was that whole section. I'm like, that's not at all what we do. Uh, and, uh, it also talked about being new newbies. We don't really, we get into depth on a lot of stuff. So it's, this show is not as much, but that was fun. Um, a little more information on chat, chat GPT. It was, it's created by OpenAI, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, that was a company that was co-founded by Sam Altman and Elon Musk and a number of others. And um, Musk kind of went off on AI organizations, I guess, while he was still originally at OpenAI. Uh, and he say, called for all AI organizations to be regulated. And he ended up leaving OpenAI in 2019. So he didn't have a whole lot to do, as far as I can tell, with this particular version of chat GPT. GPT. Uh, but basically, Musk has had disagreements over the company's development and has talked about the danger of AI for years. But I don't know if you've ever listened to his, him talking about AI and the problems that he discusses with AI is not like any of the problems that we're having right now. It's the same sort of thing where it's, oh no, they're going to go, they're going to kill us all or some, some stupid stuff like that. But anyways, uh, just to be, it took me a while to find this, but apparently GPT stands for generative pre-trained transformer. And I do not know what that means. That just is like words. Uh, there are a number of limitations. I'm not going to go over anything specific uh, on this, but I have a whole list in the show notes. It's quite in depth, but there are a number of concerns about it. Uh, I feel like our other, the co-hosts here uh, probably have their own concerns about it. One of the obvious things is this uh, chat GPT. GPT is uh, kind of made for uh, it. It isn't just a chat where you have back and forth conversations and short little bits of dialogue. It actually is kind of made to have or to return longer texts and can actually write essays. So people are concerned about since this was just dropped on the Internet and it's free for anybody to use uh, school teachers and parents of like high school and college kids are where they're just going to use it to have it write essays for them. And it's not going to be easy to distinguish, you know, what somebody actually wrote themselves and what came from this AI program. Now, OpenAI is actually working on a way to watermark their output so they can actually tell. I don't know how that's going to work, if that's going to work. Uh, but, you know, it may end up that schools may need to move to more in-person classes and have oral tests and... Uh, or essays, you know, in person. 
to where people can't use one of these chatbots. Now, it's kind of funny because you could see just like the little bit of a prompt that I put in, a lot of these just, it either needed multiple prompts or needed to be massaged. It's like, it helps, but like, if you're trying to write an essay, you're going to have to go back over this essay with a fine tooth comb to fix all of the problems with it. <laughs> what, what do you guys think on that, that point? So what I think is that it would actually teach a kid to be an editor. Yeah, uh, I think it would. I, I don't think they would lose out that much on the knowledge gained of, you know, making, writing an essay. Not too much. They would somewhat like it it probably, to me, it kind of helps with like the blank page syndrome, right? Just sitting there with a blank page in front of you, not knowing what to write. Well, you could use this to get started. Yeah, I feel like this is, uh, this is exactly what happened to math classes when calculators were invented. Yeah. Especially like, you know, the, oh my the, God, no one's going to be, no one's going to be doing their own calculations anymore. Cause we have computers that can do it for us. Like, yeah. okay, well you still have to understand the theory behind it. So yeah, it doesn't really matter if like you have a machine that can do the grunt work. Right. Yeah. Like I was the thinking graphic that cal- calculators. Yeah, I, so, I, I miss graphing calculators, by the way. I like that people would like find ways to program games into them and stuff. That was fun. <laughs> that was cool, but I don't know. They just, they seem to be just like bad computers, you know? Yeah, they, <laughs> like, well, uh, I mean, the Texas what, Instruments ones, yeah, but not the Casio ones. Have you tried no. a Casio graphing calculator? No, I haven't used like, a graphing calculator in forever, and I think only the, the, the TI ones ever. The Casio ones are amazing. I highly recommend, like, if, you, if you've tried the Texas Instruments ones and you're used to them and you know how to use them, the Casio one's going to be super different. Uh, you're not going to yeah. be able to get used to it right away. Uh, but if you've never had a calculator, graphing calculator before, like, go with the Casio one. They're awesome. And they're way cheaper. Yeah. Wow. Um... Well, speaking of like coding stuff, the chat GPT can also spit out code if you ask it to actually write code. And uh, there's some concern that may be impossible to determine if a software engineer has the necessary skills in an interview because they could just like take the interview question, drop it into this uh, chat program and get the answer out. Um, of course that, that assumes it's something like a phone interview. If it's an in-person one, they're not going to be able to do that. But, uh, what do you think? I think HK had some thoughts on that. Yeah. So, um, I've been working in the tech industry for like 15 years now. And, uh, like as a software engineer and I've done probably like in the three digits of code interviews, like over a hundred code interviews. and that's untrue. Like I would definitely be able to tell if someone were using this. Uh, the biggest giveaway is like when you ask someone to write code in an interview, you're not asking them like, Hey, here's a prompt. Give me like type out letter by letter the code. What you're trying to do is you're telling them like, here's the prompt, write some code so I can see your thought process and how your code develops. So if you give them this prompt and all of a sudden they start typing out like letter for letter, uh, you know, code and they put in the proper indentation 
you know, letter for letter, like, you know that they're copying it from somewhere else because that's not the way that we write code. The way we write code is like, we'll write a bunch of code and then we'll realize, oh, all of this needs to be in like uh, a try catch block. So we'll wrap it in a try catch block. And then we realize, oh, all of that needs to be in like, uh, if not this block. So we'll wrap it in that block. So like you're constantly changing the scope of your code as you're developing this code. So I could absolutely tell if someone, and I have been able to tell when people have been copying code, at least, you know, to pay fallacy, maybe, <laughs> maybe I haven't been able to tell all the time, but when someone does do it, uh, that I have noticed, it's been pretty glaringly obvious. You think so? Um, yeah. Were these uh, like phone interviews or were they in-person interviews or both. mix of, yeah, both. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I know like I've interviewed people in person where I know they could not have had, you know, uh, access to uh, the computer to, to, to find the answer. And I've seen people just like write out code to, to problems just straight up without checking stuff. But I mean, it's because probably they'd seen the problem before and knew all the, the, the hiccups and just was just that good, you know, in that, that respect, which probably means they just need a different, a better question or harder problem to, to, to solve. Well, um, what, um, one of the things you want to do when you're doing a code interview is if someone gets a, a problem done really quickly, uh, what you can do is just change like one of the conditions of that code. Like say you're, you're trying to code some algorithm in like, uh, you're trying to code some some data structure that has two functions and you say, I want this function to be like O of log N time. Uh, and then they're able to do that. And then you say, okay, now I want the other function to be O of log N time. And I don't care about the time for this function anymore. And see if they can adapt that code, change that code to fit the new requirements. And no one can do that if they're, if they're typing stuff into chat GPT. Yeah. Fair enough. Although I've seen people do that sort of thing. Even when I change the, the constraints, they, they can change stuff really fast, but, um, yeah, but they're still going to be modifying their own code. Yeah. True. You yeah. know, they're not going to be typing but out letter for letter people. Uh, again, I don't want to go over all the constraints cause there's a huge list of stuff, but it's basically, it's mostly stuff that you would know about like, the input is not great for, for this where they train stuff and they didn't overtrain the, the model, uh, for chat, uh, GP, GPT. Um, and if you put in, you know, the right, uh, prompt, it will, might, it might not give you any answer. And the funny thing is sometimes you can put in a certain prompt and not get an answer, but, uh, tweak it very slightly and it will give an answer. Um, which will seem very strange because it seems like exactly the same, same question. And other times you can put in a prompt and it'll give you an answer. And then you can just tell it to redo the exact same prompt and it'll give you a different answer, <laughs> uh, which I have seen like the, the intro. I, um, the first two times I did it, I asked for an intro and it gave me totally different intros. Uh, even though I used the exact same prompt each time. <laughs> I had it tell well, me that it's, it's not, not a search engine when I asked it a I question. I believe it's, 
Really? Yeah. <laughs> the input starts on a random seed, right? Yeah, I don't there's there's got to be some randomness in there, but I don't know how it works. It's just like uh, Dolly where Dolly won't start with uh like a blank canvas. It'll start with a canvas full of noise and yeah. it'll tweak it and tweak it and tweak it until it thinks that it matches your prompt and then it'll yeah. give it to you. Yeah, I mean that's a little bit different, but I like I know how the the randomness in in Dolly the the image generator works, but I don't know how it works in in this thing in the chat. App. Yeah, uh, I don't either. I'm just assuming. Yeah. But I'm it's sure it's something some kind of similar. Cuz I've definitely seen similar things. But it's a uh, pretty interesting. You can ask it all sorts of weird stuff. It seems to be pretty creative in its responses. I wonder if you can do like uh like you know how Dolly you can do like in the style of Rembrandt. I wonder if you could do uh in the style of different authors. Like in the style of Shakespeare. Yes, you can. I've you seen can? that. I've read an article where the oh my god the guy right? apparently. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna type in right now. Write a review of a cell phone in the style of Shakespeare. <laughs> um, one of the other funny prompts that people have been been doing that I heard of is uh, people will put in uh, prompts to have it generate text. To then put into like Dolly to generate images. Oh my god, this is great. Oh noble cell phone, thy sleek design doth catch the eye, and thy features doth impress. The clarity of thy display, the speed of thy processor, and the quality of thy camera are all most pleasing. Thy battery life is sufficient for mine daily needs, and thy response to mine touch doth please mine fingertips. Truly, thou art a marvel of modern technology, and a delight to use. Well done, O oh cell phone. Well done indeed. That's adorable. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah, this thing is awesome. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, all right. That's all I got. So, I'm going to talk about... Uh, a new version of Visual Studio Code. This is the new November 2022 update, uh, which is version 1.74. Visual Studio Code, in case you don't know, is, a, is an IDE, an integrated development environment made by Microsoft, and it's built using web technologies. So it runs on Electron. It uses HTML for its user interface. It uses JavaScript and CSS. Uh, which means that Visual Studio Code can actually run in the browser. And there is a browser version hosted at vscode.dev. And the newest feature that they just added in this version is called Remote Tunnels, where you can tell your local copy of VS Code to start a remote tunnel, and you can remotely connect to VS Code, to your, your local VS Code instance running on your local machine through a secure tunnel from anywhere without SSH required. That includes VS Code.dev, the web version of VS Code, and that also includes the desktop version. If you're running it on a, a separate computer, uh, you can use the remote tunnels extension to uh, connect to another desktop uh, instance. So the reason why you would use something like this uh, is if you had, say, an environment set up on one machine, but you're working on a different machine that doesn't have that environment, 
So maybe you're working on a MacBook at home, but you need a Windows environment and your Windows PC is sitting at work. Uh, that could be, you could remote tunnel into that Windows PC and work on your code almost like it's local. Uh, or if you have code that can't be on your local machine, uh, sometimes corporate policy says that uh, you can never have code leave a local work machine. So in that case, you you would leave the code on your machine at work, but you could securely tunnel to it from home. Uh, that one probably corporate might still have an issue with it if you were doing that. So if you decide to do that, don't tell them I told you to. <laughs> Uh, but uh, also, I'm not sure yet if this will work with VS Codium, which is the telemetry-free VS Code build that I personally use. Uh, but I hope it does. And uh, if it does, I might start using this. This is a, a really cool feature. Yeah, any questions about that? Uh, I don't have a whole lot. It seems like some stuff that... So this is done differently. I've been able to do with other things like um, I think we were doing it with IntelliJ. Something kind of is similar with that. I never used VS Code, Visual Studio Code because I was always using like Java to, to program in. And it's just not. I think you can do it with Visual Studio Code, but it's just not one of the ones most people use. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This isn't a unique feature to VS Code. Uh, but it, it was added in this version so that, yeah. uh, you know, it's a nice to have feature, uh, but there are other IDEs who have the same feature. Yeah. Like you mentioned, I cool. think IntelliJ does. Yeah. Yeah. I got nothing. <clears throat> <laughs> All right. Well, mine was quick this week. Uh, mine will be quick, too. This is the first time anybody's seeing me on this new webcam, and the first time anybody will see me live on this new cam will be for, actually, the Intellectual Dollar Tree, because the main reason uh, we bought this camera is that it's supposed to do well in low light, and when we have bands in the studio, the audio is pristine, and the video looks like a Game Boy Color. And so <laughs> I've purchased this this cam from this company. They started out making uh, surveillance cameras. And these are kind of no-frills cameras with decent sensors and interchangeable lenses. Um, and I mean like no-frills. There are no features on this, on this camera at all. There's nothing. You, there is, here, here's a picture of the one I got. Um, it has a lens, a hole to mount it, and a USB port. There's no anything. doesn't come with any software for Windows, Mac, or whatever. You, you get a camera with a USB port and um, nice little bag actually. And the box was cute, but um, it's pretty great. You definitely know, need to know how to adjust both the lens and like the settings in an application like OBS to get it to work. Right. As you can see, I'm a little bit blue, <laughs> so I'm not quite there yet. I just got it today, but I figured I'd use it for the show today. Um, I'm pretty impressed. The company's called Mocos, Mocosi. Uh, they're obviously a Chinese company. Um, but you can get them on Amazon. This is under a hundred bucks. And like the clarity, the color, and just the fact that it comes with a, like a real lens where you can, you can adjust 
you know, it's a 50 to uh, 50 or five to 50 millimeter lens where you can adjust, you know, basically zoom in, zoom out with optical zoom. You can adjust how much light the camera is getting. And obviously there's a focus, a focus knob on it. And it's, it's just a hundred times better than a webcam because webcams, if you want to zoom in, you're generally using digital zoom and that really degrades the quality. This is optical zoom. So you're, you're not degrading the quality optical zoom is analog and it's much better. And I'm pretty impressed with this. I'm pretty stoked on it. Um, hint, hint, there's two more of them on our, uh, Amazon wishlist. Uh, people out there want to uh, jump on our Amazon wishlist and purchase one or two of them. They're under a hundred bucks. And if you're fairly technically savvy, and especially if you understand cameras and optics, this would be a great upgrade for any streamer or, um, like vlogger out there who's currently using something like a, something like a, Logitech C920 or even in more expensive webcam because the, the more expensive webcam doesn't have like a lens that you can change out. You can get wide angle lenses, you can get telephoto lenses for this thing. And the camera, it like fits in the palm of your hand. It is so tiny. It's, I'm just incredibly impressed with it. The only thing I didn't like about it is that it's advertised like as a webcam and it doesn't have like how a webcam has a monitor mount, like a mount for your display. That's the only thing that's missing from it. So if you get it, you either have to buy a third-party mount for the display or do what I'm doing now. I have a very small tripod that's just barely taller than my display. That happened to work out pretty nice, and that's that's how I'm connecting it to... Um, that's how I'm making it so that you can see me and I don't have to like hold the thing in front of my face like I was doing <laughs> a video from my truck or whatever, but that's a different show. Uh, do either of you, anything you're... Anything you want to know? Any questions about my experience with this device so far? Yeah, it looks like it had some, uh, the lens itself had like manual changes for yeah. uh, setting the zoom and probably, uh, was it iris and uh, focus or something like that? Yeah. Or, yeah, okay. Um, and if you want to, to fix the color, that that's white balance basically is what what's going on there. I, it, it doesn't look like it, like if you have a prosumer camera that would be on the camera itself, that's, that's the kind of camera I use. Uh, but you know, my camera is a bit bigger. It's actually, uh, the camera itself is almost, you know, uh, as big as my laptop, not my <laughs> desktop, <Right. laughs> but uh, it's a big camera. Definitely. When you add in the, um, teleprompter stuff that I have set up. Um, but you know, the other thing you could do is, you know, buy some more light. Yeah, and I mean the lighting in here is not <laughs> optimized for white lighting. Well, the white lighting, yeah. people have commented on the 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 lack of the lack of the way that white lighting in here looks. We made a choice to when we built this to focus on what it looks like under the red lights because that's when we yeah. most of our content is done under red lighting. And that's right. that's when that's when we do most of the stuff just happens under red lights and that's when most of most people first find our Twitch channel like late at night when some other, you know, streamer is like, well, I'm not going to stay up. Why this guy's still up. We'll send all the people here. Um, but I am going to fix he... that. I am going to buy some, like some side lighting for myself or whatever and see if that fixes it. And I think the problem with the lighting is probably more the light than the camera. I think that the, the, the Logitech webcams were doing more maybe to compensate yeah. to try to make it look right. I mean, I don't know the, I don't really care what it looks like under the white light. Cause that's usually happening for stuff that's going to be put out. Like the main audience for that is audio only anyway. Like, right. So I got, I got one more for you. 
if you're optimized for the red light, I don't know if you can do this. Can you switch on the red lights for a sec so we see what it looks like? Or is that going to be too much of a production? You know what? Actually, that uh, my next uh, story <laughs> relates directly to that. Oh, okay. There we go. <laughs> well, before you move off, I did want to note, I saw in the description that it uses UVC. Yeah. Uh, which is which means it should be compatible with literally any computer. Yes. Oh, the, like any any computer running Windows, Mac, or Linux, it should be compatible just fine, uh, including I think Raspberry Pi if you use USB. Yes. Uh, not the little camera like ribbon cable thing. Well, it this wouldn't be compatible for that. This thing on, the only thing on this is a USB port and a and a screw hole. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. the lens it also works with android though uh your phone might not it might not work you may have to figure out a way to like power it if you're using it with a mm. phone it may not work with the phone but it, it does also work with android and the main reason i bought this uh camera is somebody said that there's and i am starting to find it there's like a kind of a community of like open source and kind of like kind of maker people who are using this these cameras because of their linux support and because of how simple they are and how easy they are to control with like open source software. And a lot of people are using these in conjunction with their, um, with their, uh, with their 3d printers to like monitor their 3d printer and make their videos from their 3d printers. Cause you can zoom. I mean, this has a physical lens on it. <laughs> it's it's the lens is twice as big as the, is the body. <laughs> like it looks, it looks like a little tiny man could be taking a picture of an even tinier bird in a, in a, in a tiny, in a tiny, uh, national geographic magazine with this thing. <laughs> so now that you mentioned that the next thing that I want to talk about actually is, uh, I have, uh, well, I didn't purchase it actually shout out to a person in our chat. We call him excessive purchaser. Uh, he <laughs> purchased as this thing. You're like, what is this? This is uh, open DMX USB. This connects, us a usb port to a dmx out dmx is the standard that all the lighting if you go to an event it runs dmx lighting unless they have some incredibly proprietary system at some big venue if you go to a even a nice club they're running dmx so this takes a us you know it takes your computer and allows you to send a usb signal like or that allows you to send a dmx signal from your computer you can buy these that have 5 10 20 outputs but this one, it says 70 bucks. Uh, I think on Amazon, they're 65 right now. And I, we got this and I'm like, oh crap, that's more work for me. And, uh, it was, uh, but it's been, it's one of them good problems to have because there's also this application and, um, I'll just show you the website for the application. The application is one of these kind of highly specific and highly technical applications used by professionals that looks like windows 95, but is highly functional, doesn't crash and does whatever you need it to do. Um, I'm running it right now to control the lights. Actually. Um, I can, the problem with turning on the red lights is that not, it doesn't control the other fixtures that aren't DMX, but I can like just from the computer right now, I can, um, we bring this up people on the, the podcast will just have to believe it. I can turn off all the white lights. I could turn on the red ones. Obviously that doesn't look right because there's a bunch of white light in the room, but uh, we can also do these. Flashing lights. It's flash. <laughs> that's like bouncing color lights. You can't see it as well just because there's like a bunch of white light kind of washing it out. 
but it's it's a great piece of software. It's called uh, Q Light Controller Plus. Um, I highly recommend it if you have a USB to DMX box. And um, I just am stoked to have all this kind of new stuff. Um, and I just wanted to, I guess, maybe shout out to the people in our community who keep buying stuff and giving me work to do. Um, one of these days, one of these days, I will, I will build a proper studio with proper white lighting, and uh, and all this uh, information will help. If anybody uh, were to get this device and this software and need and has a couple uh, par par lights or whatever and needs some advice or whatever, they're free to hit me up at echo at echoplexmedia.com. I love helping people with stuff like this when I can. And just a quick note: we also bought a a Mackie mixer for the bands that come in, so that they have a whole bunch of channels to plug in and sweet Haya was on the show this last Tuesday. And if you didn't check that out, the audio was really good and the video looked really bad, which was the impetus for me buying this new camera. So anybody have any questions about the lights or the, or the, the, the software I could show you the so- Well, I can't show you the software because I don't have a setup to do that, but the software looks like garbage, but it does exactly what it's <laughs> supposed to do. It's I'm sure you've all used software like that where you're like, Oh, it looks like this. And then you're like, Oh, this is very powerful. <laughs> yeah so yeah that's that's it that's that's no no bad mouth no bad mouthing um elron moosk this week um but don't worry we'll do it next week if that's what you came here for and we'll probably be doing it through the course <laughs> of the week here um whose turn is it to read the show out uh, i think it's yours oh well thanks for checking out how the tech are you we uh do this show once a week and uh, sometimes we put it out on Wednesday, and sometimes we don't put it out on Wednesday. And them's just the breaks. Uh, you can check out our other shows at uh, echoplexmedia.com. You can just click the live tab, and uh, if we're live, you'll see whether or not we're live. And if we're not live, you can just click the play button and check out all the music in our local music library. All our stuff, you can find everything about us at echoplexmedia.com. And um, I don't know, follow me on Grinder. <laughs>